social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Hi, I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm thrilled today to introduce you to Adrian Chance. Adrian Chance is the Senior Communications Manager for Topgolf, the emerging global leader in golf entertainment. As the actual voice behind Topgolf, Adrian is responsible for media relations, internal and guest communications, charitable giving, and of course, social media. Since joining Topgolf in 2012, Adrian has set the strategy for the company's public relations efforts, crisis and change communications, and the use of social media. Prior to joining Topgolf, Adrian worked in public relations for T-System, which is a healthcare IT company, and also in customer advocacy for Southwest Airlines. So she's got a variety of experiences across different types of organizations. Now, I'm going to reveal her secret dream in life because I did find it in her bio, and it is, in fact, to one day dance on stage with Britney Spears, which, by the way, is something I share. So welcome, Adrian. <laughs> Thank you. Adrian. I love Brittany so much. Do you love her? Oh my gosh, I've loved her since 1997. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's just let's have a moment and talk about this about Brittany before we get started. So All you, right. you've loved her always, always and forever, correct? Oh yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> Me too. One of my first jobs, I worked at Polaroid on the brand side, and she was the celebrity spokesperson for the iZone camera. And, oh, my. Oh, my. Obsessed. Obsessed. And the funniest story, just to tell you a side note before we even start your interview, is that I had – I was the person in charge of the tickets to her con- to her concerts, okay? <laughs> so everyone – I was like the go-to person. And one – this woman who I used to work for called me and she was like, I have this guy uh, at my office and he's completely obsessed with Britney Spears. It's like an unhealthy obsession and you just have to get him tickets and a meet and greet. I will do anything, anything, anything. And I really owed her a favor. So I gave her my last tickets, and that guy ended up being my husband, future husband. No way. Yes, I married him. So I am forever indebted to Brittany. I could tell you Brittany stories all day, but I love that you love her. And are you a dancer? Uh Do you love to dance? Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Okay, wait. Favorite, before we start officially, favorite Britney Spears song? Oh, gosh. I have to go with the original classic, Baby One More Time. Are you serious? <laughs> I I also enjoy it, but sometimes I just love to scream toxic so loud. I just want to oh, be like, yeah. toxic, toxic is a great one. There's so yeah. many to choose from. I mean, every album is special in its own They are. Own way. <laughs> they are. Every every Britney album does have something <laughs> very special. We could talk about this all day offline, but let's get started talking about okay. you, Adrian. Tell me the story um, of how you got into social media. Tell me a, a little bit about your your career and its origin. Sure. So it's um, kind of goes pretty far back. Um, I went to school at the University of Florida because I always knew that I wanted to do PR even in high school, and the University of Florida had a great program for PR. So I was in school there and just having a really great time. I was involved with uh, the PRSSA organization there. Mm-hmm. And during my sophomore year, I decided that I really wanted to do an internship. And 
normally sophomores don't go away for the internships. They do things that are local, but I decided to put my name in the hat for um, an internship in New Orleans with Devaney Communication. Typically, they hire juniors and seniors again, but I just thought, what the heck, I'm going to try it out. And I ended up getting accepted for it. So I had um, never even been to New Orleans. And after I got accepted for it, I was thinking, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Do I really want to do this? Am I ready for this? Um, So I remember going to my PR professor at the time, Dr. Kelly, and I said, I just, I don't think I'm ready for this. I haven't even gotten into the classes for my major yet. And I don't know what I was thinking. And she's like, are you kidding me? You have to go for it. Just do it. Go. You're going. I'm booking your ticket. This is happening. (laughs) And so I accepted the internship. I left shortly after for the summer, moved to New Orleans, and had this incredible experience at Devaney Communication. I got to work with clients like the New Orleans Convention and Visitors Bureau, Blockbuster, Walmart, all sorts of great clients, and had just a great experience. And It was about that time that blogging was starting to become popular, so I was reaching out to bloggers and kind of just discovering what this blogging thing was and thought that it was really interesting, and I started my own, you know, little personal blog at the time. Went back to school, and then I ended up interning two other times in Dallas for Southwest Airlines and then for Weber Shandwick, a PR agency Mm -hmm. that has an office in Dallas as well. After I graduated... All of my job offers happened to be in Dallas because of the time that I had spent there. And I um, interviewed for Southwest Airlines, and I joined their team as a customer relations writer. So basically, I was responsible for responding to any letters that we received um, in terms of like customer service issues, bag delays, flight delays, and that kind of thing. Um, About six months after that, I was promoted to the customer advocacy team, which handled all of the more sensitive and regulated issues from customers. So um, anything that was regulated by the Department of Transportation regarding advertising, people with disabilities, discrimination, as well as sometimes some celebrity issues. I had a great experience at Southwest, but moved on after about four years of that, Um, started working at healthcare IT company called T-System, mm-hmm. and my role there was a public relations one, so it was a lot more broad in terms of just writing, and it was B2B, so I got that great experience that I hadn't had before in PR. Um, and then I came to Topgolf, and I've been at Topgolf now for almost two years. So was Topgolf your first uh, job where you had social media under your leadership? No, um, actually, the first job I had social media under my leadership was at T-System, but we were using it for B2B, and it was a lot different and a lot more challenging. So the other, going back to a kind of funny story at Southwest, Southwest, when I first started working for the company, only accepted um, letters in the mail from their customers. They didn't even have email for the first two years that I was there. But I was starting to get really interested in Twitter at the time. And I started responding to people, having conversations about Southwest Airlines just on my own. Um, Southwest at that time didn't even have a social media handle that I 
can remember if they did, it wasn't, you know, a, a big thing. Yep. Um, so I remember getting a call at one point from one of the people in the PR department. They're like, hey, yeah, you're not an official spokesperson of Topgolf. Do you mind, um, you know, just talking to us before you respond, you know, like you're a spokesperson for the company? I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, of course. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it didn't even, you know, occur to me at that time. But I just loved Twitter, and I loved the idea of providing customer service over Twitter since I was in the customer relations department. So yeah, from there, um, I was, I brought that passion to T-System too. And I, um, kind of helped get a, our social media account started there and planning some content for our B2B audience. And then, uh, my entire first year at Topgolf, actually social media wasn't a part of my role, but I just kept kind of, I guess, butting into those conversations about social media, and I really loved it, and um, it was a part of the different conferences that I went to for PR, so I'd always bring back ideas, and uh, back in January, actually, my boss asked me to just take it over and own it, so that was extremely exciting, and I was more than happy to take it on. And so, Adrian, would you say that that's advice you would offer to, like, mini-use growing up within uh, coming out of school in PR? And if you're passionate about social fight to make it a part of your job, do you feel like that's what you did to take your passion and incorporate it into your work? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you always do a better job when you're passionate about something. Um, You know, and I didn't go into it with the thought that, oh, I'm going to own social media now that I'm playing with it. But it was just one of those things that I was like, I want to be involved with it. I want to help out. I want to help make it better. Um, You know, I want to bring some ideas. I want to hear how you reach the decisions about social. Um, And they were always open to that. And it eventually just became something that naturally fell under me as a result. So tell me a little bit about Topgolf's strategy as a whole. What does the emerging global leader in golf entertainment need to do in social? So give me a, an, an overarching why you're there and your strategy. That's a great question. So Topgolf is really unique in that our brand is inherently social and high-tech. When you go to Topgolf, you want to document your experience. You want to take pictures and video of our outfield because the targets are lit up at night and they're dancing and synchronized to popular songs. It's just a really amazing site. And you, you know, naturally want to take pictures and video of your swing or of your friend's swings. And you want to take pictures and videos of your friends hanging out at Top Golf. And so, you know, in a way, social the social part of Top Golf was there before we were even on social media. But people started sharing you know, their experiences online, and it was just the place that we had to be. We had to respond to our guests and engage with our guests in this way. Uh, we started out with just Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube accounts, and then last year we went into Instagram, and now we're kind of dipping our toes into Pinterest. But I think that social media has just always been a very natural part of what we are and where we're going. Because your your customers are there and sounds like they demand it, that they're already posting pictures and already engaging. So it sounds like a, a, that you need to be where they are. Absolutely. And I think that in a way, a lot of our guests spend just as much time 
on their phones on social media at Top Golf as they do golfing. Um, if you walk up and down the bays, you see people are just constantly taking pictures, posting pictures. They're tagging themselves at Top Golf, and it's as a, you know, a social media person, it's gold. I mean, it's great that they're doing that, and it's amazing to be able to engage with them in the moment. One of the things that we actually started doing is that if a guest tweets us their bay number, we call each individual hitting stall a bay. If they tweet us their bay number while they're at Top Golf, we'll bring them swag to their bay. So we might bring them a shirt or a koozie or whatever, and they just love that. And it's a great way that we can engage with our guests both online and, you know, in real life. So it sounds like looking for ways to encourage them to continue that usage is key for you. Yes, definitely. That's great. And so is that one of the best things that you guys have done in social? Is there something that you're really particularly proud of? Sure. So I think that um, one of the great things, when I started taking over the social media in January, we had about... 24% of the share of voice compared to our competitors in the industry. And we identify our competitors as, you know, a Dave and Busters or any other entertainment type of concept, upscale bowling alleys, that type of thing. And in just a couple of months, we went from that 24% share of voice to more than half of the conversation share of voice. And that was just a really amazing turnaround for us. And I think that um, we really amped up our efforts in terms of how much we were posting, how responsive we were to people, the type of content that we were posting. And so that was a really big achievement for us. I'd say the other one that we've been uh, really proud of as a team is creating really fun and memorable experiences for guests using social media. Um, That's just at the core of what we do. Our mission statement is actually to create fun and memorable experiences. So using social media as a tool to make that happen is just really special and exciting. And we've been able to create lots of great times for our guests as a result. Do you have an example of an experience you created for guests using social media? That sounds so exciting to me. (laughs) Sure. So we actually, um, when we announced that we were opening in Topgolf, Oklahoma City, we were just astounded by the type of response that we were getting on social media. It was greater than any other location that we'd ever announced just from day one. And, you know, Oklahoma, of all places, we wouldn't have guessed that necessarily. (laughs) So we decided just at random um, as a team that we were going to host a video contest. So the person that came up with the best video about Topgolf, and it could be about anything, would get to go to the next grand opening party um, and have this kind of VIP amazing experience. We'd pay for their airfare, their hotel, and all of that. Um, So we didn't get a ton of videos back, but we got about 10, and the ones that we got were so well done, and they were so funny, and just really, really great. We we couldn't easily pick, you know, between them all. So we ended up, um, we, we did pick our grand prize winner, but we decided to allow all of the people who had submitted a video to bring a guest to the Topgolf Oklahoma City grand opening party when that happens in the spring. So they were all super excited, and that was just a great um, kind of spur of the moment thing that ended up building really great goodwill with our guests. That's terrific. And I think with video contests like that, a lot of times it is quality over quantity because it takes a lot to put together a video, I think. 
<laughs> it absolutely does. Yeah. So we were really happy because the videos that we received, you know, we've got some of them posted on our um, YouTube page and topgolf.com and they're just, they're great. They're entertaining. And, you know, honestly, Topgolf couldn't have come up with such fun and creative concepts exactly. without, you know, really trying. So it was awesome. And you talked a little bit about the, that amazing stat around share of voice. What measurement pieces are key in looking at whether or not your presence or your activities are a success? What do you, how do you define success at Top Golf? That's a great question because I think that success is defined by different people in different ways in our organization. So our marketing team, for example, they're focused on the performance of our campaigns. You know, did we sell tickets to an event? Did we pack the house? Did we sign up more members or drive repeat business somehow? Did we refer guests to topgolf.com through our links? Um, the social media team in particular is focused on, you know, how responsive are we being to people on social media? What kind of engagement are we getting? Um, how are we comparing to our competitors and creating those amazing and memorable experiences. The operations team within Topgolf is more focused on what the guests are saying. You know, where is their feedback coming from? Is it particularly around one location? Is it positive or negative? Um, they're really interested in the opportunities to improve. So maybe, you know, food service has been, you know, unusually slow in Houston, and we can address that, you know, just by knowing that problem. And they're also looking for what questions people are asking over and over again that maybe our website isn't answering for them. And then finally, I think our senior leadership team is most interested in the broader trends. So, you know, are our pages growing and how fast? Um, how many fans per location do we have compared to, say, a Starbucks or a Dave & Buster's or an iPick movie theater? Um, and then is our engagement growing and improving? So I think each um, department at Topgolf looks at these different things, but I think they're all important. And, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of metrics that we can report on that are related to social media, but it just comes down to what's truly actionable at the end of the day. Otherwise, it's, it's death by numbers in a report. Yep. And you mentioned reporting and senior leadership. How do you get buy-in from senior leadership to impact change socially at Topgolf? That's a great question. I think, fortunately, our leadership team and our board of directors really gets it. They are very passionate and understanding of social media and how important of a role it is. And they've given us the resources that we need to be successful in social media. And I know that's still a battle for a lot of people at different companies, but they've really made the investment in social and, and see the, its value. We've seen it drive success for our campaigns and for our revenue. And it just makes sense for us. You also mentioned that some of what they want to see is is how the locations compare to a Starbucks, for instance. Tell me a little bit about your broader base location strategy versus corporate strategy. Are, do all the locations have their own individual presences? And if so, uh, do they handle it themselves? So Topgolf is, is quite unique in that our marketing model as a whole is decentralized. So we do have national campaigns and national strategy. We set the brand voice and guidelines around social media and, you know, do all the training from the home office. But each location has its own Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram account. 
which is challenging at times, Mm -hmm. um, but it's also allowing us to create very local content based on what's relevant in that market. And as a result, we've been able to build a really good, meaningful following that way in each of our cities. So um, each location has a marketing manager, and that person drives the you know, daily responses and content that's local for that location. And then the marketing manager also has a team under that person of marketing champions. And these are the people who are at the Top Golf facility when the marketing manager can't be. Our facilities are open till 2 a.m. some nights. And so this allows us to have coverage throughout the day and night, wow. um, making sure that somebody's there able to post pictures or respond to guests. A lot of times um, our guests want to know what's the wait time right now, and we've got somebody there who can respond to that. Or, you know, if somebody tweets their bay number and wants some top golf swag, we can provide that. So it's, it's complex in that there's so many different people who have access to so many different accounts, but one of our core beliefs is that we have to trust the people that we hire, and so um, that's a huge element of our strategy is trusting people, um, training them right, but ultimately, at the end of the day, we give them the keys to help us drive um, each individual social media account for Topgolf. And so your role then is to really set the overarching voice tone strategy and then allow each of the individual locations to execute a brand, a, according to how they see fit. Yes, exactly. That's great. And I love the empowerment concept because really when somebody is going to ask something about Top Golf, I'm sure a majority of them are asking about times or openings or things that are relevant to their local area. Yeah, so much of the the inquiries we received are very location specific or uh, you know, the other part of the marketing manager's role is that they should be going to local events, community festivals, charity events, that type of thing. And so while they're there, they're on social media and that's just not any kind of content that I could remotely write for them all, right. um, you know, on a given day. So it's great that they are empowered to, to make it their own and to find those opportunities themselves. And so I know that you have all the local presences, but you also have a Top Golf blog, right? Yes, we do. Awesome. So does that come from corporate? And if so, how do you decide what topics to feature? So the Topgolf blog is maintained by the home office, but we have a team of, I'd say, between 20 and 30 people in the company who regularly contribute to the blog. And we... We don't necessarily dictate what topic they write about. We give a whole list of suggestions that could be done at any given point, but we let them choose what they feel passionate about and what they want to write about. Um, there are times where we'll ask for a post about a an upcoming campaign. You know, we have um, theme parties that we host throughout the summer, so a lot of times we'll say, hey, can somebody write a blog about a theme party? But for the most part, you know, once it's their assigned date uh, to write a blog, they they choose the topic and we just say, okay, that's great. Sounds good. Go with it. So it sounds like the entire execution of Topgolf's social media strategy is very, very collaborative and team-based. I think that's a very true statement. We are all about collaboration. Um, And I think it's, it's obvious when you visit the Topgolf office even, we don't have any private rooms at all. All of our 
rooms and the whole office is completely transparent. All of the windows are see-through. Nobody even has an office. All of the desks are completely open and we don't even have cubicles. So you can collaborate very easily with your coworkers and that's just a big part of our culture in general. Ah, so your culture shines through on social. That's pretty great. And yes. So we've heard a lot about a lot of the great things. We've heard about um, your overall collaborative culture, and we've heard about the local pages and the empowerment and all of these pieces. Tell me what you would define as the biggest challenge in social media for Top Golf. That's a good question. I'd say there's two major challenges. The first one is just keeping up with the trends and all of the different tools that are available to use. I mean. For Twitter alone, there's, you know, hundreds of different apps that you can use or tools that you can um, leverage to either track your responses or have conversations with people. And it's easy to just get overwhelmed with everything that's available out there and really narrowing it down and deciding what makes sense for your organization. Um, And then the second part, I think, is just making sure that um, we have content that's fresh and interesting all the time. Um, You know, one of the things that we say in our training is never, ever be boring. Um, And that can be challenging to reinvent the wheel sometimes. I mean, we don't necessarily have super exciting things going on every single minute of every day. So it's, it's, Finding that way to be relevant and timely and funny and interesting um, on social media, I think, are just always going to be challenges for us. I think that's the challenge in general. When you have this expectation to create massive amounts of content, it's how to keep it fresh, how to keep it interesting. I think it's a Mm -hmm. very common challenge that you share with a lot of social media marketers. Yeah. So, So working in social media, does it make you more or less apt to use social media personally? What is your social media personal use like? And when you get home, are you ever like, I just don't want the phone near me because I don't want any more social? Or are you a a, a social media addict? Um, I don't think I'm either an addict or an avoider in my personal (laughs) use. I've always liked it and that's never changed. Um, I've always maintained my own, you know, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and I, I do it more for me to keep up with the people I'm, I care about that I'm connected to. It's not so much like, oh, I want to get 10,000 fans. Um, I don't have this huge drive to make my personal accounts you know, amazing or remarkable in any way. But um, at the same time, I I don't avoid it either. I mean, I am just on it. I use it regularly. And I think um, in a way it's kind of the beauty of, I guess, my generation. You know, we – we grew up knowing, not knowing about social media, and then we were also exposed to it. So I think we're able to find that balance very easily, whereas, you know, the generation before us might not be comfortable with it at all, and the generation after us is so used to having it around 24-7. I think that's a um, great point. The emergence of if you were around before social and then were around for the emergence, it's like really a, a, you become dual focused in a way you don't you're not like obsessed with it but you're not totally afraid of it right exactly I think that's the best way I can think of to put it is you know I I like it but it's not you know the focus of my daily existence (laughs) I mean it doesn't define you now Adrian I also know another fun fact about you not just your love of Britney but that you were featured in D weddings for your wedding. <laughs> oh yes, yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Um, about the wedding. <laughs> about the wedding. 
Yeah, so I um, got married this last May in Dallas, um, and of course I'm in PR, so I had to pitch my own story. <laughs> I love it. Team magazine. Um, but yeah, it was a great wedding. We got married at the Sheridan downtown and had about 200 of our friends and family there, and it was just very elegant and beautiful wedding. Now, important question, did you have your own hashtag for the wedding? We sure did. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. I love the hashtag. Yeah, so my last name is Chance. So I, I, it was ABC Wedding 2014, I think is what it was, um, because Adrian Brown Chance. So yep. we, we called it the ABC Wedding. Um, but we had that as a theme, you know, signage <laughs> throughout the wedding. And then also um, Chances Look Good was kind of our theme. Um, That's so pretty fun. funny. That's amazing. Yeah. So I loved your use of PR for personal benefit. That's pretty <laughs> exactly, awesome. Exactly, yeah. Pretty <laughs> awesome. So tell me, what advice would you have for those uh, aspiring young women who are looking to get into the field of social media and PR? What advice would you have for them? There's so many things, but I'd say one of the primary ones is to read and write as much as possible and as much of a variety as possible. I think it's really important to be well-rounded and in terms of your communication and being able to talk to different audiences comfortably. Um, and then another thing that I would say that I've learned the hard way is don't react to people, you know, don't have that knee-jerk reaction, but make sure that you take the time to respond and have people checking your work if it makes sense, especially if it's a particularly sensitive situation. Um, and then uh, always ask the right questions when it comes to any project that you're tackling, you know, know the who, what, where, when, why, and how of what you're doing. Um, if you can't answer those questions, then you're probably not ready to take on that particular project. And then I always tell people to be their own advocate. You can't always wait for people to notice what you want to do or what you want to work on. Um, I think that's, you know, a great example of that is me with social media. Like I just shared my love for it, yep. you know, early on and frequently. And I told them I was interested in it, but if I had never said anything or acted like I was interested in it, it may not have ever happened for me. So I think that's extremely important is just being vocal about what you want to work on. And in each of my jobs, I think I've kind of, you know, you get hired to do one thing, but I've always carved out my own role and what I'm passionate about and kind of picking the best things that I like and maybe even adding some other responsibilities that weren't necessarily intended for me, but ended up falling under me. And I think that people need to remember that they're not confined to this box of, you know, the items that they were hired for, but you really can expand your role and do other things if you express an interest in doing it. I love that. I love be your own advocate. And thank you so much for being your own advocate today on this show. <laughs> you totally were. And now you've got me thinking all about my Britney stories and all kinds of fun things today. So I was really, <laughs> you. really, really happy to have you on. Great food for thought around Top Golf. Adrian, where should people follow you? At Ms. Gatorator. So M S G A T O R A D R. Amazing. Very fun Twitter <laughs> handle. Love it. Love it. And thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's great talking to you. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.